Welcome to the Six Degree Podcast, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily Merrill. Hello, and welcome back to the Six Degree Podcast with Emily Merrill, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily, and today I'm thrilled to have my friend Annalise Gartner, the founder of creative marketing agency Afto Media, as my guest. Annalise, welcome to the show. Thanks, Emily, for having me. I am so excited to talk with you today. I am so excited to talk to you today. I think it's an excuse to hang out with my friends in a recorded fashion. So imagine we're drinking a delicious, bold red wine, and we're like looking at a beautiful waterfront, and maybe we're on vacation. That sounds great. And don't forget the cheese and crackers, please. (laughs) Oh, I, I mean, Annalise also has a lot of experience with cheese and crackers. She has been one of our ambassadors for Six Degrees Society in New York City. And one of the prereqs of being an ambassador is you have to make a mean cheese board. And I mean, like, awesome. So, you know, let's start it off. What is your favorite cheese? Let's get cheesy. Ooh, Manchango. Manchango, oh. definitely <laughs> love Manchango. <laughs> Manchego. <laughs> I love a good manchego as well. Good Spanish cheese. Uh, Well, we're not here to talk about cheese as much as I could talk about cheese and wine, and that might be a whole different podcast spinoff that I create at some point. But I want to talk to you about your journey and specifically about your journey from, you know, this corporate world where you were working super successful at NBC, Universal Studios, and then you pivoted to entrepreneurship. How did you make that jump from NBC and what were you doing there and what led you into the entrepreneurial dark side, as I like to call it? Yeah, definitely. So I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and I moved to New York City to attend college at Pace University in New York City. And my senior year, I was lucky enough to have an internship at NBC. And then I was even more grateful enough to receive a position right after I graduated college. They gave me a position and I definitely took it as quickly as I could. Um, And I was at NBC for three years. I was in advertising sales. And so what that meant was a lot of, mainly it was the commercials that would play around television shows. And I was an assistant at first, and then I got quickly promoted into a planner role, which was great. And I learned a lot. Um, And then, you know, NBC is a big company and push came to shove where I was a little bit of an impatient millennial and I really wanted to kind of push my career forward. And so instead I started recording videos for uh, some of my family members, just doing small, you know, engagement videos. Um, I started doing real estate videos and I really got into creating video and somehow this became a video marketing company quickly. And after about six months of a side hustle, I decided to go full-time with it in January, 2018. And since then, it's now a creative marketing agency. What? I had no idea that, that your, your love of video started off as a side hustle and as a project that you were doing at NBC. Was there a particular moment or um, I always like to ask this question, like, was there someone that gave you permission to make that jump? So was like, was your mom or any family member or partner helpful and coercing you? Definitely. So my boyfriend had a lot of influence on me. Um, At the time, he was a professional photographer and I was seeing him, you know, 
create his own schedule, create his own plan day to day. And so I bought myself a camera, thought I would be into photography and I just was really horrible at it. I made <laughs> people gain 50 pounds. It was just not a good look, give people double chins. And so I just couldn't get into it. And so then I started, you know, watching YouTube videos and I actually found a travel blogger. This was back in 2016 when travel blogging was a huge thing. And I saw someone with a camera and I thought, you know, how is this guy making so much money off of recording these videos, recording himself? What the heck is vlogging? And so I kind of got into it that way and I started recording. And so I would just record small videos when my boyfriend was um, doing photo shoots and I would record videos around either his photo shoots or we would go on photo shoot adventures around the city. And so it became a thing where I just really loved creating video. That's so cool. I think that's that's so neat to see that a lot of the the stuff that you learned was also self-taught and that you were able to learn your side hustle as you were working a full-time hustle. At what point during your full-time hustle or when you were working corporate, did you find that you were ready to, to launch it? And what was your business? Did you have a business plan? Did you know what you were getting yourself into? Oh, I definitely had no idea, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> does anyone yeah. really, when they start entrepreneurship? No idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to business school for marketing and advertising, and they tell you, you know, create a business plan and make a marketing plan. Yeah, I didn't do that at all. Essentially, uh, <laughs> I started making videos for, you know, side hustle. I needed some extra income and thought, okay, I'm doing these little videos for my boyfriend and his photo shoots. Let me try to get some clients out of this. So I hooked up with a couple of real estate agents actually in the Boston area, started creating videos for them. And it became the point where I was making more income than my full-time job. And so I said, okay, if I'm making this as a side hustle more than my full-time job, there's got to be something to this. What could the possibility be of me turning this full-time? And of course, it was horribly scary when you start because you know you don't have that cushion. You don't have that you know sweet spot going into the office every day and getting that two-week paycheck. But I knew that as young as I was, I needed to try it now versus kind of in the long run. Um, and I actually received great feedback when I, you know, put my two weeks in at NBC, all of my managers, all the VPs were like, wow, this is amazing that you're doing this now. You know, even some of them were like, I wish I had done this when I was younger. Mm. So it was kind of reassurance for me being like, all right, I'm doing this and this is what's happening. Yeah. Worst comes to worst. You can always find another job and go back to the corporate world. And I think there's so many lessons in what you just said. First and foremost, that developing a side hustle while you have a full-time hustle is really a great idea because then you can have that confidence. I think you also had a confidence and kind of an entitlement of being paid regularly that you weren't scared to pitch clients and you weren't scared of rejection because you had something else to fall back on, which when people tell me they quit their job and then they want to start something, I always feel a little wary because you need to validate the idea. You need to make sure that you have that that income coming in, you have it figured out, even if it's not in the historical, I have a business plan and a marketing strategy and everything's vetted. And I do think there's something to be said about um, quitting your job without knowing the hardship that entrepreneurship looks like because it's kind of like childbirth. No one talks about childbirth because yeah. they don't really want to tell you how bad it is. So <laughs> it's so scary. But I think entrepreneurship is similar in a way where no one really wants to talk about how hard it is because if we all knew how hard it was, there would never be the perfect time to jump exactly. or to do it. No, absolutely. And I think the other thing that I did, which was smart, was I made sure that I did even have a further fallback of saving up three months of my income to cover my expenses, to cover, you know, just the luxury stuff of going out to dinner every 
you know, once a week or something like that. And that really allowed me to kind of grow into the business that I wanted versus just kind of getting clients that I felt like I needed because I needed the paycheck. So I was able, you know, not only starting the side hustle, you know, while I was working corporate, but making sure that I had a fallback, even with a fallback, just ensured that I was able to really create the company that I wanted. And I feel like with a lot of entrepreneurs, like you said, that jump into entrepreneurship from one day to the next, they do feel that pressure of, okay, I just need to create something. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. I just need to do it. And really, if you want to create the business that you want to, having that fallback, I mean, it saved me. And again, it really allowed me to create the business that I wanted to. Mm, I love that. And so to get this straight, when you started off, you were just doing videos for real estate agents and various people. Were you calling yourself Apto Media at that point or when was Apto Media conceived? Oh, I've actually never been asked this question. So <laughs> good. So, Ooh, a new one. Yeah. So it's funny enough, my boyfriend and I had actually thought of Apto. This was probably back in 2016, even before I had created the it as a mar- as a video marketing company. And so we were just, honestly, we were on a train going to and from upstate and we had talked about starting a company together and we both were in marketing. We had originally started um, talking about a marketing company. And of course, first and foremost, I was like, all right, we're not calling it Annalise or Pat. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> so we actually looked into the Latin dictionary, found the word apto, which means adapt and then grow. So that's kind of our tagline and motto. Um, when I had started the side hustle, I did not, I think I was like Annalise pictures or something, you know, it was not apto at the time. And so when I wanted to turn it full time, you know, my boyfriend and I, we spoke about it and we're like, all right, if we want to create this company, Annalise, you know, myself, we both spoke about it. You start it first and then let's kind of see where the transition goes to. Um, into one day creating the marketing company that it is today. So no, it's, I can't remember the name. I think it was like Annalise Pictures or something. (laughs) But it eventually did become Apto. Yeah, it evolved into into more of an apt name for the two of you. Which brings me to the question, how is it working with your boyfriend? And, you know, I quarantine has forced all of us to, to become a lot closer with our roommates or our husbands or wives or partners or whatever you are. But not only do you live with your, your partner, you also work with your partner. So how do you navigate that world? It's definitely a balance. <laughs> As she whispers. I'm whispering this, but it's not easy at all. Um, I think the biggest part for us is communication and really making sure that we are getting what needs to be done for the company, but we have two separate roles in the company. So we've kind of evolved. He was more of the photographer, graphic designer, and now recently he's taken on more of a project management role, um, which is great because then I'm able to kind of focus more on the CEO side of things. So now before, you know, it was a lot of me assigning things and kind of that's where the stepping over each other's toes was coming into. But now it's more so become we have two separate roles within the company and we're able to handle two separate parts of the business. So working with your partner is not easy, but again, communication is key and making sure also that you have set date nights that, you know, it's kind of like what I've heard with parents that have a kid that you go to dinner and you're like, Oh, we're not going to talk about the kid. And then you all talk about the kid. So, I mean, we're not, I'm not going to say that we don't talk about work over dinner, but it's, For us, we've also created a lifestyle where we like what we're doing and we like the work that we're doing. So it doesn't necessarily feel like work where we're like 6 p.m. We have to stop working and no one, no, neither of us can talk about what we're working on. Um, It just kind of flows within us. um, 
and yeah, again, it's also it also depends too on the personality between the two. Like we do work very well together um, in certain aspects where you know we can butt heads, but then we can talk in like a normal adult manner and kind of go through things similar to how a job would be. So I think it definitely takes the right couple to work together. But once you find it, you can really grow together not only as a couple but within you know professionally and business wise as well. I think that's awesome that you guys are working together. Um, my husband and I would definitely kill one another. He always, he always jokes that if I was his employee, he would have fired me like from the first day. I just, uh, it, it, it's totally, totally legit. I'm not great at working for other people. So I would have to be his boss if this is going to work. Uh, so I think that's awesome that you guys are able to, to work together and still have a healthy relationship with one another. Um, even if it does mean you talk about the kids when you're out to dinner. And then we, you know, with Apto, if you started your business with video production and taking on these clients and building their band videos and, and whatnot, but now you offer so much more than just video. You are a marketing agency. You do done for you marketing. I've seen your social media work. It's exceptional. How did you kind of hang up your, uh, your camera and decide to, to pivot more into the marketing direction? Yeah. So I'm late 2018. My boyfriend and I, and I actually decided to move to Thailand for seven months. And so while we were there, we were still running the video production company uh, while you know we had videographers in New York and we were coordinating back and forth with that. And so when we actually moved back, we gained a lot of clients and our old clients actually kept coming to us and saying, well, you've done marketing and sales in the past, or you know, you have uh, graphic design experience can you just do it all? And so it became this, it wasn't just one client, it was about four or five clients that kept coming to us and saying, we're so tired of going to, you know, this freelancer and this freelancer and this freelancer as a small business, it's really hard to keep track of everyone when we just need our marketing done. We just need, you know, one person to go to, we need a project manager, we need just again, one person to go to that can get all of our marketing things done. So we transitioned into a creative marketing agency where we offer brand uh, design and strategy. So, you know, logo design, website design, uh, graphic design, anything in that realm to kind of get your business started. Then we also focus on marketing uh, solution packages. So like you said, the email templates, the social media templates, everything to kind of keep your business going marketing wise each month. And then of course we still offer the production services, uh, but it was really out of a need of our clients. It wasn't at the time I still loved video. Uh, I knew I needed to take on more of a CEO role because we were getting so many clients that I did have to hire videographers, but I knew that if my clients were asking for this, it wasn't just, you know, four or five. It was a, it was a bigger need than what I needed. And at the end of the day, I like help helping small clients or at the end of the day, I like helping small businesses. So again, transitioning the business was a no brainer when small businesses kept coming to us and asking for it. Oh, I love that. And I, I, I want to dive deeper into working abroad and living in Thailand. I feel like Again, if I was your old boss at NBC, I'd be like, oh man, this is amazing. You not only are you doing, you're following your dreams and starting your own business, you also followed your heart and decided to move to a foreign country. So what was it like living again with your partner in Thailand? But not only were you living in Thailand, you were managing a company while abroad. You're managing all of these video production uh, clients, so to speak, or and and providers and users. Um, so yeah, what were the pros and cons of living and working abroad and 
what would you recommend to someone who wants to do something similar? Yeah. So the pros definitely, to be honest, was the time zone. Honestly, I loved the time zone. It was a 12 hour time difference. And so while everyone in the United States was asleep, I was awake. And so I didn't have any clients, you know, bombarding me throughout the day. I didn't have any client emails coming through. I really was able to solely focus on the business and getting things that I needed done. And then of course, when, you know, the morning started, I did have to, you know, continue to work until midnight so that it was, oh, no. <laughs> but it worked out perfectly because then, you know, again, I had that day in Thailand where I was able to get everything done. Um, another pro was definitely the organization behind the business. I was able to really streamline and organize the business again because of the time zone. So again, biggest pro was the time zone. The con um, in general was getting and vetting new clients, I'd say. So while we were there, we were able to maintain our clients. You know, We were able to get clients through word of mouth. But when it came to cold pitching or getting brand new clients, it was a little bit difficult because at some point it wasn't like it is now where everyone's virtual and everyone's, you know, through video. It was, we still want to meet you in person. We still want to see who you are. We still want to see, you know, your work in person. So that was a little bit difficult. I think now if I was working abroad, I think a lot more clients would be more accepting of taking a video call versus, you know, because the thing is, is a production video takes, you know, it costs a lot. It costs between five to 10 grand at certain points. And so if a small business is spending that amount of money, they of course want to meet the person that's producing this work in person. So that was definitely the biggest struggle. Uh, but we still maintained, like I said, all of our old clients and through word of mouth and everything. So that it wasn't the client, you know, repetition or it wasn't the client consistency. It was, okay, how do we really grow and scale this business and get more clients? That was more of the difficult part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting to think about, you went to Thailand pre-pandemic and you went there before these practices of Zoom calls were in place, where now I feel like Zoom is more of the norm to be chatting with someone. And like what you said, that's a big investment for someone to drop that much money without meeting that person in, uh, in, in real life. And now that wouldn't have been a problem. So it's really interesting to see how much can shift in like a year or two period. Um, and then also, I love the time zone. I so relate to that, especially being in, in California. I feel like the emails stop hitting me at 3 p.m. and I can actually get work done. Right. And I can respond and I can think versus playing email ping pong the whole entire day. So there's so something so beautiful about a time zone that isn't where all of your clients are at. And so my... Next question for you is, what about um, marketing misconceptions? I think a lot of people, you do a lot for a lot of people. I imagine it must be challenging, and I'm totally projecting here, but it must be challenging to manage expectations of your clients who they hire you. So they anticipate that you have to give them the world. They have, you, you, I'm as a business coach too, it's, it's like what we were talking about earlier today. There's this, I feel personal guilt or I feel anxiety when my clients aren't succeeding in a particular level. So as a marketing, as the founder of a marketing agency, what has that been like and what are some marketing misconceptions you can share with the world so we can better prepare people to hire a marketing agency? Yeah. So the first misconception is that the marketing agency is doing everything and you don't have to tell them anything. Uh, <laughs> They're mind readers. I, yeah. We're mind readers, right? So the biggest like I said, the biggest misconception is that we're mind readers. And at the end of the day, we're not. And so what my clients 
you know, certain, I do now have a high, I do now tell my clients, you know, this is the expectation, this is what's going to happen, everything like that. But there are still some clients that think, okay, I've hired this marketing agency, they can do everything for me. Uh, They can read my website, they can understand my copy, they can understand this, they can understand that. But then when a new service comes out that they're launching, and they say, oh, why didn't you promote that? Well, we didn't even know that was a new service that you were offering. So how am I supposed to know that I need to promote this? So I think it's, Again, the constant communication, especially with marketing agencies, it's not just a one-way street. It's still a two-way street. You still need to market on your own as well. And your marketing agency can only do as much as you tell them. So at the end of the day, communication is key. Uh, Making sure that you know what your services and products are as well. Because I can, of course, give you advice of how to market, what to do. But if you know your brand voice and you want to stick to something, then tell me and you want to stick with it. We can, of course you know, market and change the marketing plan to what you want, but I need to know what you want. So communication, number one. Uh, Number two for general misconception is that I think there's this perception that you have to market everywhere at once. So you have to be on Instagram, you have to be on TikTok, you have to be, if Snapchat still exists. um, (laughs) I think they're still there. I think they're still there, but we don't use those for our clients. We don't use it for our clients anymore, but uh, you have to be on Facebook. You have to be on LinkedIn. And I, it's overwhelming how many platforms are out there. And that's where marketing seems overwhelming and seems very daunting for small businesses because they feel they need to be everywhere. But honestly, when you're marketing everywhere, you're actually getting nowhere because there are too many voices out there. And you know, as a small business owner, you're going to lose track of time. You still need to market the internal processes of your business. You know, if you have employees, you still need to check up on your employees. And if you, you know, if you're a product-based business, you need to make these products and make sure manufacturing is going. Marketing is, unfortunately, it's always going to be the last thing on people's mind because the internal business needs to run correctly, even before you can market. So again, you don't need to be everywhere. My biggest piece of advice would actually be to pick two social media platforms or you know two or three marketing strategies in general and stick to that. So with my clients, we actually have a marketing formula that we use and we uh, do blog content. So we write on blogs for SEO purposes uh, for their website. And then we have uh, email marketing. So the reason why we also pitch email marketing is because social media platforms, we don't own them. So let's say Instagram and Facebook want to go down by tomorrow, they could close their doors. You could lose all of your followers, all of your potential sales. And what are you going to do? So having a solid email marketing strategy that you're sending emails directly to your customers or clients inboxes will absolutely make sure that your business succeeds. Then the, then the other two is social media management. So like I said, pick two social media platforms that you can focus on as a business. And then the fourth one is website management. And so website management means changing your sales pages, making sure that the language still sounds like your business or what you're trying to sell, making sure that the image names are you know according to the photo and it's not just picture one. Uh, just making those small changes monthly actually boost SEO on the um, algorithm, Google, whatever platform (laughs) I'm trying to call it these days. Um, So yeah, that would be my biggest, were those the misconceptions? And then that would be my advice. Yeah. I I think those are great pieces of advice and great misconceptions. And um, even as a, as a coach, it's so fascinating how much reluctance people have for newsletters and how much 
resistance they have for uh, writing a blog. They're like, no, I don't want to write a blog. It seems like too much work and I can't make money off of it. So they feel like because it's something that you can't measure immediately and no one's buying from you immediately that they don't realize that it's more like building a house and it's part of the foundation of your house and the whole process versus um, like an immediate return on investment. So with marketing, kind of like PR too, there is that aspect where it's it's not immediate. Like your return on investment is is a gradual return on investment and it's visibility to let people know you're there, right? Definitely. And that's another misconception, let's call it that, because people and it depends on the client too. There are certain clients that understand that, you know, marketing does take time and it does take patience, but then there are clients because you see all these people gain success immediately. And so you think, or you think that they're gaining success immediately. And so you think, okay, my marketing company isn't doing enough or they're, you know, they're not pitching me or they're not pushing me out there. When in reality, just like you said, it's a foundation to a house and we have to, you know, build the house with the frame next. And then we have to add the walls and then we have to add the paint until it's a beautiful house. Um, If you look at the big companies, uh, there's, if you've watched the McDonald's, movie on Netflix. It was actually really interesting. And it was very true to where it was one McDonald's location. And then it became, you know, five McDonald's locations, and it became 12. It wasn't immediate. And it just, that goes to show with marketing that it's just time and patience, but consistency as well. If you're not consistency, if you're not consistent, like you said, with email marketing or with blog content, your business is going to suffer. Mm. Anyone listening to this, remember consistency is king. It is literally sending out that email every single week at the same exact time. So your, your audience knows that you're still alive and keeping top of mind. And, and it's also, I think there's a lot of fear in people being consistency and consistent and showing up for their business. I spoke with a girl mm-hmm. yesterday and she talked about her she was anxious to show up because she was fearful that people on Instagram would judge her for starting a business. And there's so much that that imposter syndrome shows up so much for people, but just remembering too, that you're not being judged. You might be judged. Sure. You might be judged, but you have to put on your big girl pants and you have to put on your alter ego. And you have to remember that if you're showing up, that this is part of you making money and livelihood and, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And I, I, truthfully, I've had people say to me before, like, I see you everywhere. And the, the vulnerable and the insecure part of me is like, oh no, I'm everywhere. I'm so annoying. I'm that person that's showing up everywhere. But then my business brain's like, great. Well, there's no excuse for them not to send me people who are in new to a city or networking. It's working. I'm showing up all the time. Exactly. Okay. So tell, let's talk a little bit about the new changes that are happening and new platforms, marketing platforms. You know, I feel like we just got comfortable with IGTV and now here we are exploring reels and being penalized for not using reels. Can we talk about Instagram and like, should we always be jumping to this new platform uh, or can we, can we lurk in the shadows a bit? Oh, Instagram is my love hate relationship. (laughs) I have a love hate relationship with this platform. So my biggest piece of advice for Instagram in general, to be honest, is to use every single aspect of it. And the reason being is, you know, Instagram is trying to rule the world at some point. So they're trying to kick TikTok off. They 
kick Snapchat off. So they're just trying to eliminate every other app around them. But that's smart marketing, to be honest, and that's smart business. Um, so I would, if you can, and I know it's hard to figure out a weekly plan, you know, figure out realistically what you can do to create on this platform. Can you do one IGT, IGTV a week? Can you do one reel a week? Just do one of something every week to kind of then see the results and you'll see what is working more than what's not for your type of audience. So for an example, my audience does resonate with IG lives that then I turn into IGTVs. I do get a lot of views on the videos. And so that for me is working. So I'm doing that. IG reels, tried it a couple times, not my jam. <laughs> so I don't focus that much on it, but I do, you know, post occasionally on it. So there is something to be said of not lurking behind the shadows, as you said, because it will, Instagram's algorithm is based off of how much you are on the platform. So if you're on the platform as much as you can, you know, you're creating, you're doing IG lives, you're creating IG TVs, you're doing IG reels, then Instagram's going to reward you for it. So unfortunately it is a beast. Um, but there's also alternative apps out there. So you had mentioned, you know, the new apps coming out, TikTok. I will say TikTok as much as, you know, there's things going on around it with the United States and what's happening with the laws and stuff. But I will say there has been great success with myself, my clients, some of them with implementing TikTok. And it's actually, you can use it both ways. So you can use, you can publish the TikTok and save the TikTok videos and then up, upload them to IG Reels. So you can do double the amount of work in once. Um, and that's what I've been doing because honestly, I do like editing on the TikTok platform more than the IG Reel platform. And mm. There's so many more editing apps out there that you can use with IG Reels. So it's a whole nother ball game. But again, we were talking about it before. If you don't want to do any of the social media, let's say, if you really just want to figure out how can I make sales for my customers and clients, this is where your email marketing strategy comes in. And this is where you need to implement it. And this is where you need to become consistent with it. So if you're not going to be consistent on the plat on the social media platforms, or let's say blog content, the only thing I'm telling you to be consistent on is have an email marketing strategy. Yay. I totally agree. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Well, Annalise, thank you so much for the mini marketing class. I feel like we learned so much about marketing, marketing misconceptions, how to work with a marketing agency, and then things to keep in mind if you're independently marketing. How can people find out more about Annalise Gartner, Optomedia, any exciting offerings that are coming up in your world? Yeah. So a lot is changing, of course, because we're in quarantine still and we have a lot of time on our hands, um, <laughs> like everyone does. So you can follow us at Apto Media Co. Um, you can go to on Instagram everywhere that you can think of on, you know, we're not everywhere, but we are everywhere. <laughs> um, so if you want to follow us on Instagram, that's our main piece of, uh, that's our main platform. We're also on TikTok at Apto Media Co. as well. Go to our website, check out our services. Like I mentioned, our services include brand uh, design and strategy, marketing solution packages, and production services. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me personally, you know, DM me anything. Um, and then what we're changing or updating or adding, whatever we're calling it is um, I'm offering a VIP marketer day in which this is a new service that you have the ability to have a full three-month marketing plan created for you. 
uh, within one day by working with me. I do a deep dive into your business where I can help, you know, solve all of your questions about your marketing strategies, what you need to focus on, what you need to do as a business in order to grow and scale, um, as well as ideas, everything under the sun with marketing, you can accomplish this within one day. And then there's also some other consulting services coming soon. So there's lots to come. So just follow along and you'll see. (laughs) You'll you'll see it all. Well, Annalise, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked today's episode, give us a like, give us a comment and share with your friends. And we'll see you next time on The Sixth Degree. Thanks.